Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading Where the River Begins by Patricia Sanjin with permission of Moody Publishing Company. And we are in Chapter 13, The River of Life, where, where Francis has run away. So we want to find out what's going to happen here. Francis cycled madly across the bridge and swirled into the village street. Had any fast car been coming, that would have been the end of him. But the road was almost empty except for a few children playing around the old forge under the chestnut tree, and nobody stopped him. Then the hill outside the village slowed him down, and for the first time he started to consider his position. Where was he going? He was never, never going back to the farm. That was for certain. Nobody wanted him. We wish we'd go back to where where you came from. That was what Kate had said. And if it was true, then all he had trusted in was an awful mistake. Moms and dads were probably the same all over the world. They just wanted their own children like their, his own stepfather. And mom, to whom he belonged, was in a hospital, and perhaps she would die. Then there, was, there would be nobody. Mom, mom, he whimpered and sat down between the roots of the large chestnut tree to think out the next step. The great roots encircled him, and when he looked up into the foliage, he noticed that the flowers stood up like lighted candles, like a Christmas tree, he thought idly, and a little wave of homesickness swept over him. Last Christmas had been a happy time. They had all had presents, and no one had quarreled all day long. They had been too busy playing with their toys, and suddenly he longed for his toys and his other things, his dinky cars and stamps and football cards and his set of magic tricks in his Lego. He had not missed them till now because there had been so much to do at the farm, indoors and out. But those delights were his no longer. He suddenly decided to go back to his own house and sit for a while on his own room and play with his own toys. There might even be a can of something in the pantry, and when he got there he could make up his mind about what to do next. Perhaps when it Began, began to get dark, Mrs. Glengarry would have some suggestions. She always took in stray cats, so why not stray boys? He was not worried about getting in. Some time ago, he had been locked out, and he had found a secret way in. You climbed into the roof of the little front porch and scampered up the drain pipe. There was a loose hatch on his own bedroom casement window, and a child's little fingers could pry those windows far apart enough to reach inside and push up the catch. It had seemed such a convenient secret to possess, and he'd never told anyone, and no one ever noticed. He got up and pedaled steadily on, calmed and comforted by the peace of the April countryside. The hawthorn smelled sweet in the sunshine, and the banks were a riot of champions and bluebells and garlic mustard. He seemed to be pedaling to the rhythm of blue, the blue song, bird song, and no one noticed him as he reached the suburb of the city and turned to his own road. A moment later, he slipped into his own yard and stood, half afraid, looking around. It looked like a wild garden, for April had been had caught up with it. The grass had grown long, and the small flowered bed that Mom had planted was choked with weeds. But the house inside would surely be the same, and he longed, he longed for whiskers. He would have to get a hold of whiskers somehow, although she had been an excellent mouser and might not at all wish to leave the barn. He wandered around the house and the garage and noticed to his surprise that the kitchen window had been broken and boarded up with nails and, and wood. He wondered who had done that. Probably Wendy had done it with her ball after he left. The kitchen reminded him of food, and he prowled around to the porch where he climbed up into the windowsill and out onto the porch roof. 
The next part was harder and much more dangerous because the pipe might break, but it, it, it could be done. There were two joints in which to rest his foot, his feet, and then a pull across to the edge of the window, and you landed on his bedroom windowsill. Yes, he could still get his fingers through the crack, although they seemed to have gotten much fatter at the farm. A wriggle and a catch lifted, and then he was letting himself down into the, into the curtains, back into his own little bedroom. He pulled back the curtains joyfully, and the light streamed in. And there he stood, rooted to the spot, staring, and his heart gave a little lurch of fear. Someone had completely vandalized his room. His drawers were overturned, his stamp album torn, his football cards ripped up, and his soldiers scattered and almost smashed. The wheels had been pried off some of his dinky cars, and his, his precious comics had been torn and trampled on. Whoever had been in here had done the job very thoroughly indeed. Francis gave a little cry of relief and terror and shot down the stairs and out the front door. All he wanted to do was get away from this terrible house as soon as possible. But where would he go now? His toys had been his last real link with home, and now there was no... They, there was nowhere. But almost without knowing it, his feet had carried him across the yard to his refuge in the cherry tree. The blossoms were over now, and the leaves could hide him from the view, and he could sit and cry as much as he wanted. He seized the bough and climbed up again to recover from his second great shock. A small pair of brown legs dangled from the bough above, and a curious brown face peered down at him. Francis, whispered Rom, you come up, I tell you all. Had Francis found Rom in his private tree at any other time, he might have been angry. But just at that point, he was overjoyed. He clambered up, and Rom's huge black eyes scanned him anxiously and lovingly. When he realized that Francis, Francis was pleased to see him, he beamed. I saw your back, Francis, and I saw you climb, said Rom shyly. His English had improved a lot in three weeks. So I sat here till you come here, out. What have they done in your house? Who, asked Francis, who broke my toys and tore up my stamps and my cards? Everything is torn, broken, and spoiled. Rom, his, his voice trembling, and he squeezed the bow above to keep from crying. Tyke and Spotty, said Rom, when you went away, they followed me every day from school. They ask and they ask where you gone, and I say I don't know, and then they said they go to beat you up because you tell the police about the little house. I never did, sniffed Francis. Then one day I came home and saw you. They met your gate looking at your house. They point, they talk. I watch around the corner till they go away and I tell my mother. Then I came and I climbed the cherry tree and I watched till it get dark. And the next day and the next day and after two days they came. What did you do? I watched very quiet. I saw them break the glass and open the window and Taiki go in and open the door and they all go in. Then, then I drop into the other yard and I run and run and I phone 999 the police and I tell them boys in your house Francis gazed at him in a wide-eyed admiration here was a true adventure Rom was wonderful a real hero they came in three police cars said Rom waving his hands and talking very fast and they they stopped down the, down the street and I watched and watched around the corner and then they came back with Tyke and Spotty and they all went away in the cars but what happened where are they now haven't seen them anymore but the boys say they will not come back to our school. They go to another school where they stay all day and all night, and they'll never go home. When I come back here, somebody had put the wood in the window, and then now no one, no more, no more can come into your house. I came every day, Francis. I climbed the cherry tree to see, see that it is all good with your house. They sat talking for a long time. 
all about Tyke and the broken toys and the fire. It was nearly tea time when Francis remembered that he'd had no dinner. He suddenly decided to go home with Rom, have something to eat, and stay the night. Perhaps Mrs. Rom would adopt him till Mum came home. He explained the situation to Rom, who was not quite sure about his father's reaction. There was no spare bed, and his own was very narrow, but perhaps he could give Francis that bed and sleep on the couch. They climbed down and started home, but just as they reached the gate, a car drew up. Auntie Allison jumped out, and not even Francis could mistake the relief on her face, although she greeted him in quite a matter-of-fact way. "'Come along, Francis,' she said. "'It's time to come home, and you must be so hungry.' This is Rom. We've heard about you, Rom. Francis growled at her. I'm not coming, he whispered. You don't want me. You never did want me. Kate said so, and I, I'm going to go live with Rom. But that's not true. Kate lost her temper, and she knew it wasn't true as soon as she said it. We all want you. We've been looking for you all day and longing for you to come home. Nobody wanted any supper till you were found. Won't you believe me, Francis? The word supper probably did the trick. And anyhow, he knew that Annie Allison always spoke the truth. Besides, he suddenly found the farm was the one place where he wanted to be. All right, he said dream daringly, but they broke all my toys and all my stamps and my football cards. They're all torn up in the floor. Tight did it, and Rom saw him. My tulips are all broken and lying on the ground, said Auntie Allison. Francis did it, and Kate saw him, but we still want you. Francis hung his head. Sorry, he muttered. He'd almost forgotten about the tulips. It's all right. We'll talk about it later. We've forgiven you. Will you come home now? He slipped his hand into hers. Come and see my toys, he said. Tight did it. And Rom saw him and told the police. Rom, when I come home, we'll play every day. And Auntie, could he come and play at the farm? Of course, any Saturday. Uncle John would, would, could pick him up sometime with the cattle feed. She smiled down into Rom's eager brown face, and Rom ran home in ecstasy, his faithful heart bursting with pride and joy. You'll have to wait at the door, said Frances, and she watched, her heart her heart in her mouth, till her, his legs disappeared through the bedroom window. A child's, this, the child's a born burglar, she thought to herself, and then she, he reappeared at the door and led her upstairs. He pulled her down beside him on the rug amid the wreckage. All my toys, he moaned, and my comics and stamps, all spoiled, and his tears flowed afresh. She put her arm around him and tried to comfort him. Not all spoiled, she said. Lots of the stamps aren't torn, and if you soak them off in water, you could stick some of them in a new album. And look, there's a, a dingy truck under the bed, not broken. They salvaged, they salvaged what they could, and they leaned. he leaned against her and worn out and wretched. He had never before before seemed so near to her, but how could he make her, she make him understand? You know what it feels like, don't you, she said gently, when people smash and destroy and hurt. I wonder why Tyke did this, and I wonder why you broke all those tulips. It didn't make anybody happy, did it? He thought about it, sniffling badly. I suppose it's something bad inside us, he said at last, but Tyke's bad all the time. I'm not always bad. I, I wasn't bad yesterday. The word yesterday gave her an idea. I think our hearts in t inside us are rather like that spring you found, she said. It was foul at the source, full of dirt and dead leaves, and the water was all muddy. He looked up, alert and interested. The sheep wouldn't drink it, he said. They'll never drink water which fouled at the source. No, I don't blame them. But, Francis, I know where hurting and smashing and destroying come from. 
They come from a heart that is all fouled with hate and selfish and unkindness, and that streams of hate and selfishness and unkind flow out, like they did here. And then everyone is miserable. She was listening quietly. He was listening quietly, and so she went on. The shepherd had to clear away all the mud and dead leaves and make a fresh outlet for the spring. And what happened then? The water came out all clear and ran to the river, and the grass was all green. Yes, and I'll tell you something Jesus said about the source of a river. You can learn it by heart at home. Jesus said, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. A river of life, said Francis suddenly. Yes, where did you hear that? I dreamed it. I think they once said it in church. Well, it just means this, Francis. When we feel sorry about our foul source of hate and unkindness, we can ask Jesus to forgive it all and take it away. Then we can ask him to put his loving Holy Spirit into our hearts, and then there's a new spring. A clean streams of love and kindness and happiness flow out from him, and then you become a loving, happy boy. Francis was thinking, if they were all coming home to this smashed-up house, they would need a bit of love and happiness. Could it be ever different? Perhaps it could, if he was different. Would I really... He asked, yes, not at all once, but little by little. Shall we ask him? And so they prayed together there on the floor amid all the wreckage of hate and unkindness. Auntie Allison prayed aloud that God would forgive all the anger, that Jesus would come right into Francis's heart, and that his Holy Spirit would be a new, clean source from which rivers of love and happiness would flow. And Francis asked, too, quietly in his heart. He felt healed and peaceful as they drove home, and no one welcomed him more heartily than Kate. But his real moment came later, sitting on the rug in a prayer time, when he happened to look up and found, found himself staring at the card on the wall. And suddenly he knew. He had found the answer to the first question he had asked over three weeks ago. Where is God? For if God came to us in Jesus, and if Jesus had come into his heart, Then he had found God, and God was right there within him, the source of a beautiful, clean river, for God is love. And that verse was taken from John 7, 37 through 38. Just want to add a little something here. When I think of all the, there's a lot of hate and a lot of anger and a lot of destruction going on with the riots. And and these, uh, these, Men and women, young and old, are are angry, and but they haven't got the love of Christ in their hearts, and that that's coming off in a way that they need Christ. They're in bondage to to Satan. They are the they are oppressed, but not by by the world. They are oppressed by Satan, and we need to pray that God would just do a work in their hearts, and that God would give us opportunities to be able to to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them, just like Francis here, that that anger and that that hatred is not from the Lord God, it is from Satan. Well, I love you and I'm praying for you and we'll see you tomorrow. We have just maybe a couple more chapters before we'll be finished with this book, but it's it's been a good book. I love you and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.